Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now then, uh, down verse 14 of chapter 3, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now you see, this is a little different in this verse. Um... There, there's no particular statement of the characteristic of Christ found in the first vision, but it's in the revelation of Christ in chapter 1, of Christ revealing himself to, uh, to John, and overall commission to the churches. It tells us here in the, in the beginning that he was the uh, that he bore witness uh, to the Word of God, to the uh, and, and Christ was a faithful witness. He's a true witness, but he's not the true witness as compared to a false witness. That's not what he's talking about. He's a uh, he's trustworthy. He can be relied upon. He can be depended upon. That's what uh, that's what true uh, means. And now there is a. Uh, true with reference to the false, just uh, as a opposite to that which is untrue. Uh, but Christ presenting himself as the, uh, the true, the amen, the true witness, the beginning, the source of the beginning. He's the, uh, uh, he's the agent through which God created the world. All that's in the beginning, see. Uh, John, in his gospel in the first chapter, you know, uh, speaks of the eternalness of God and the sameness uh, in substance as God. But he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. Now, we had one church, church at Ephesus got cold. Uh, and, and I mean, uh, and the church at uh, Smyrna got hot. This church got cold. Uh, that is, this one got lukewarm. But the the one uh, the Pergamos over here, it it just got cold. Uh, it didn't care. It didn't. Uh, and Thyatira, they just got lax in their uh, in their uh, living. But this one is neither hot nor cold. Uh, and he says to them, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. But now, he doesn't criticize them for their sins, for their iniquities. They weren't guilty of outstanding sins. This church is a church that's, that's just indifferent. They just don't care. Don't give much, you see. 
and so on, dash, dash. That's, that's exactly what was the matter with this church. Anything, well, that's all right, it suits me. But you could say that that man actively went out there and engaged in all of these sinful things. But he just didn't care what others did, see. And he just didn't care what went on in the church. He conducted his own warfare. He just did his own thing and suited himself and let the other man do it. Yeah. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, <clears throat> that looks like he done reached the conclusion, didn't he? It looks like he's done through with them. That he's, his mind's made up. All right, but let's follow it. So then, because, uh, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Well, that's pretty bad shape to be in. It. They had they had plenty. They were wealthy, but didn't have any garments. See, they were uh, they were blind. They couldn't see, and yet this city was noted for its eyesight. Or oh, this was they they had doctors. Medicine was a uh, they, that was. Uh, they manufactured it. They had hospitals. And they treated people with eyes. They made what was known as Phrygian powder. They had powder works. And they mixed that up and, and, and they put that on their eyes. But now that was the pagans that did that. That was the commerce. That's what the city was noted for. Now, when God writes this letter and addresses it to uh, uh, to Lot and to Sia, don't you mean to tell me that they're supposed to know what Jesus is talking about when he says that he calls on them, uh, that he, he diagnoses that problem, see, in verse 17. Now then, in verse 18, notice the, uh, I counsel thee to buy me gold, because there's purr, you see, for their poverty, uh, White raiment, because they were naked, see, and uh, and anoint thine eyesalve that thou mayest see, because they're blind. Don't you see? He gives them a threefold remedy. He points out that there's three uh, that there's three things wrong with them. Uh, they were poor. They were rich, and yet they were poor. And he brings the contrast from verse 17 and 18. And then this white raiment, why, they, they were naked. Now that doesn't mean that they were, uh, the word means in rags. Raggedy. Uh, not completely nude. And he says, and anoint thine eyes with eye save, that thou mayest see. Well now, uh, John, uh, the Lord's not wanting them to take some of that pagan I save out there, but he's using the figure, you see. In the beginning, he said he was going to uh, teach them with a the little signs, signify it, and many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. 
Now you see, verse 19, still, still holds out hope for him. Up here, he says, I'll spew thee out of mouth. I, I wish you'd get one, one way or the other. That's nauseating. Almost vomiting stage. And now then, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now you notice that the operator of this door, of this elevator, is different from the operator uh, in uh, in verse uh, 7, uh, where it says, uh, I have the uh, key, you know, where Jesus said uh, that he had the key uh, to, uh, to David, and he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now, the operator there is the Lord Jesus. He's the one opening that door. Now notice in verse uh, 20, if any man hear my voice and open the door. This is a different operator. This is the individual. I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Now this is a uh, prophecy, a promise, of what Christ will do when he returns. When he comes back. This is uh, pictured again as a festival, as a feast, as uh, eating. Now, in the lifetime of Jesus, uh, he received a lot of criticism because of his eating. Uh, you know, uh, he associated a little bit with some uh, certain uh, publicans and and some sinners, some Pharisees, and he permitted some women who had uh, uh, lived uh, contrary to uh, morality in those days. Uh, but their greatest condemnation was that he eateth with sinners. Now, eating in uh, uh, when a person ate uh, with another in the Old Testament days, New Testament days, and back in those days, that was a sign of uh, uh, it was an honor. Uh, and this man that ate this man's food, uh, uh, it was like it was last night when I went through the line getting my uh, punch and and coffee and so forth, and I'd come up there and they'd give me some uh, Kool-Aid. I told Mitty, I said, I wouldn't take Kool-Aid from this to anybody. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? All right, uh, well, in those days, uh, 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 you, you were subject uh, to being poisoned. But the point was that if a man invited you to eat with him, well, he trusted you. He he was doing you a favor because you uh, may have been hungry, see. And if you're a stranger, you were. You see how Abraham uh, had Sarah to 
uh, he had a servant to go get a kid and had it dressed and and they cooked it and well, here these angels were uh, that he entertained he he fed them uh, this uh, there's there's coming the the feast the marriage feast the day of Christ's return is set forth in, uh, in terms that appealed and uh, uh, was well received by the Jews. They knew something about it. Now, jo uh, Jesus was charged with uh, being a, a wine bibber, a glutton. Why was he charged with being a wine bibber and a glutton? What was it that he ate? Uh, John it says, came neither eating nor drinking wine. Now, Jesus came, and they charged him with a wine-bibber and a glutton. Now, um, the, uh, the things that John didn't eat was just ordinary bread and food and wine. What did he eat? His was locusts and wild honey. Well, now, uh, now, Jesus came eating. Nothing wrong with that. You got to eat. And, well, I don't think they called him a wine bibber because he drank some water from uh, Jacob's well that the Samaritan woman gave him. I don't think he, he was a wine bibber that. Well, now, uh, they must have had some reason or some... Uh, of calling him a wine bibber. In other words, what I'm getting at is uh, this idea. You see, the way that they uh, uh, thought about eating, feasting. Uh, Jesus tells parables, many uh, with reference to uh, uh, the supper, with reference to eating, and it represents people at that wine because that was the height of man's pleasure and delight. But there was nothing wrong with eating, or drinking, or being married, within itself. See, it was always uh, the excess, it was always the, uh, the uh, misuse of the ordinary things. Uh, Jesus even plucked grain on the Sabbath day. Oh, he was criticized. Every time that he uh, would sit down to eat. So, uh, uh, you know, Jesus told us that one day we'd sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. What, uh, what were we going to do? We were going to eat. Now, whatever that eating may be, it is... Uh, it, it is in the likeness, the similitude of actually eating and enjoying it, the paradise, the fruit that it talks about, growing and trees growing on either side of the river, and uh, and that, that's the height of joy as we know it with reference to the body. All right. So uh, uh, Jesus says, "If any man." Hear my voice, 
I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now there's intimate fellowship. That's the day when he returns. That's the day that, uh, and when he does, well then we'll, we'll know something, uh, about, uh, the, uh, the abiding that he spoke of in John 14 and 16 and so on. The, the fact of his presence. And uh, in this sense, your morning star, uh, that, uh, that when we see him, you know, that's the, uh, object of John elsewhere. When we shall see him, we, uh, then at that time we shall be like him. See? So, uh, but uh, it doesn't rule out the highest joy that man can conceive of it on a, a physical, material realm. But, of course, the millennialist boy, he don't want you to, he don't want you to eat anything in, in eternity. You're gonna, you're gonna, you, you're not gonna drink anything. You're not gonna drink water. See? Because they say we don't know why right? the body we don't know what we uh, uh, we will be. We don't know what the needs and so on of the body. We're not. Uh, we're not. Uh, that's not. Hadn't been revealed. But it does tell us that it's going to be raised a spiritual body. And uh, uh, whatever uh, that's still uh, out in the future, as far as uh, the Bible is concerned, to us. To him, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. Now, that verse says uh, that to him that overcometh will I grant. Now, this is a grant, this is a grace, this is a gift, this is a privilege. This is something that Jesus is going to extend himself to someone, to some people. And he says, uh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as. I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Now, Jesus overcame, Jesus conquered, and as a reward. Now, whether uh, uh, to us it's, it's presented to us on a basis of reward so we can understand that. If it's not uh, uh, because Jesus today... Uh, he is, uh, what he always was, but yet he is something that he was not. Before he came into the world, he was not man. Fully perfect man. See? He was God. Now he's the God man. And he will forever be the God man. He'll forever have the body just like he had when he ascended to heaven. All right? But he overcame. 
He, he was triumphant. He was obedient to death and the victory of the cross. And he robbed death of its sting. And he ascended upon high. And as a result of that, he says, even as I overcame, God gave him something. The privilege, the right to sit on his throne as a man. See? A man on the throne of God. Well, that's something that was wholly different and unique as far as, as, far as his eternity of being is concerned. Now he says, as I've overcome, and I'm sitting now on my Father's throne, he that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne. And if there's no difference between his father's throne and my throne, well then, uh, uh, how could you, how could you uh, tell it in plainer words? If you were going to set out to say that God's on His throne, and then that's uh, that the day's coming when the overcomers are going to sit with Jesus on His throne. How are you going to make that the same throne? Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.